0: This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey
1: everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM.
2: Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us sir. You will obey. It is the word of Landru.
3: Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me is Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hello, and welcome back to Dave Rossi, the visual effects producer for Star Trek Remastered. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Yeah.
2: Let's this get is... into some smock.
3: Yeah, uh, like like Dave just said, we're going to get into another uh, our second character episode where we'll talk about the second in command. The first officer, which I've never understood. Second in command, first officer. Number one, Spock. See, I can't be dramatic with Spock like I was with Kirk, you know, making up middle names for Shatner and stuff. It's just Spock. Spock, yeah. Jim Spock. <laughs> <laughs> so Spock is, he is the, the cornerstone. Um, if If Kirk is like the head... Uh, Spock is is the cornerstone he is the, the logic base of not only the original series but I would say the franchise and so we're just gonna we're gonna talk about Spock and how awesome he is Dave what are your thoughts on Spock
2: he's kind of a hack no <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Spock <laughs> no I think that uh, the character of Mr. Spock is one of the most epic characters in science fiction that's ever been created. And I think it is in no small part due to Nimoy's portrayal of him. The the thing that, you know, as a kid watching the show, I remember the pointed ears. I remember that he was stronger than everybody else. He had green blood, all those things that are kind of cool, you know, to a seven-year-old. But what's really cool to me about Spock is this eternal personal struggle that he has. I mean, imagine that you had a portion of your personality that was constantly clawing at you to get out. Constantly, even subconsciously, the way you react to things, the way you emote, uh, you know, constantly there trying to get out. And, And this guy more than any other Vulcan, going through the ritual of trying to, you know, we, we know the story of, OK, that the Vulcans were a very violent race. And in order to stop themselves from killing themselves off, they adopted this, this thing of logic. And much more than that, they devoted them, themselves to a lifelong study of how to control their emotions. And really, that means repress in their situation. Uh, because their emotions are so strong. So they, they all are these kind of stoic, logical people who have achieved this level of mastery over their emotions. That's cool enough to begin with. But now you add in the wild card for this one character that one of the most uh, emotional races in the universe, human beings, is half of what he is so his training you know he goes overboard because he he wants to be a vulcan i'm a vulcan i i he kind of through the whole front run of the show until the movies he is just working so hard to suppress that side of him and that is the coolest struggle to watch on the show and and You know, look, we can look back and say, well, look at him in Where No Man Has Gone Before. He's smiling, he's yelling, he's, you know, and in in the original pilot, The Cage. But they didn't know who he was. You've got to cut that side of him a little slack. I mean, they didn't really know what the character was. It kind of evolved, and, and what he brings to it is just amazing in my point of view.
3: Yeah, I think that that having Spock being half human instead of just we've got an alien, look, an alien, and you know he doesn't have you know uh antenna or anything like that. It's like look, he's an alien, but he's half human. I think is one of those things that that I imagine maybe it was just something they just threw in there, but from the very beginning, from Corbinite Maneuver, the first episode that they actually filmed for series, it's there that that struggle is there. And it, it's one of the few things, uh, continuity-wise, that that is there all the time, and it's it's really neat to 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 have that from this show that could have just been, you know, I'm the googly-eyed alien like Robbie wrote the robot. I'm the weird guy who just you know states the obvious, right?
0: Yeah, it, it's it's actually kind of similar. I mean, when you were describing it, I was like, I was I was looking. And behind you I can see a picture of Superman. It is kind of like Superman where this guy is torn between two worlds and kind of the opposite of that. But uh, it is really interesting to sort of do that, especially when you only have one. You would think that you know there would be like a Vulcan on the first show and then maybe to change it up in Next Generation they'd have one who's half human, half Vulcan. But the the sort of, uh, I guess, foresight to to do that right off the bat was, was pretty brilliant. And I I also totally agree that um, Nimoy's performance uh, has a whole lot to do with with the character being what it is. I think he I mean Nimoy is a really smart guy, you know, and he was so protective of that character and and I think he thought so much about it that you know that really uh, he, he ensured that 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 character would be as as good as it could possibly be.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, and there there are just seminal moments in that series you know the, a, a couple of them might be a, a little bit of scenery eating but you know in the naked time where he gets the disease and he's in the briefing room and he's kind of he's kind of rifling through his training as a vulcan he's trying to be logical he's trying to think of things like mathematics He's trying to, you know, anything to not let, he's just trying so hard to not let this part of him come out. And uh, and when it comes out, it's so earnest. You know, when he's talking to Kirk about it, it's so earnest. He's just a guy who's like, you're a friend of mine, and I can never tell you that. You know, it's just like this very uh, exposed, raw moment for this character. And even... You know, they're in the middle of this emergency and and Kirk is trying to snap him out of it because he needs his help to come up with this crazy formula. But beyond that, I I like to think that Kirk is also, he doesn't want, he knows how important it is to Spock to be in control of that side of him. And so he's trying to get him back. He's trying to be like, hang on, buddy, I'm going to help you here. It's gonna hurt for a minute. You know, and he's he's just any anything he can do to help him, and it just kind of speaks to their friendship. And you know that moment, and, and another moment that I think goes by a lot that I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but to me, it's one of my favorite moments of the entire series. Is in the episode with Reign of the Android uh, Methuselah, uh, and he creates the, all those android women, and he's trying to get them to come to life and he uses Kirk to try and spark their emotions alive or whatever he was doing. Uh, but at the end of the episode, Kirk is, you know, he's fallen in love with this woman who turns out not to be a woman, and then it turns out through his behavior, he's killed her. He and Flint have killed her because she, she, they overwhelmed her with this her newfound emotions. And that's something Spock can kind of identify with on the one side, but there's a moment where Kirk says, I just wish I could forget, and he puts his head down. And McCoy comes in, and he says, oh, you know, thank God he's finally sleeping. And and he says, you know, Spock, I feel more sorry for you than I do for him. And it's because, and it's, you know, McCoy has this great little speech where he says, you know, you'll never know the things love can drive a man to, the glorious victories, the glorious failures, the broken rules, the you know, all that because you're just written, that, you know, you're, you have a different set of rules. And he says, well, good night. And he walks out. And Spock is looking down at Kirk, and he puts his hand on Kirk's head, and he just says, forget. And it's a really touching moment where he knows his friend is in such pain. And to think, to take this technique that the Vulcans have that's very private and personal to them, something they don't just willy-nilly use, and he decides he is going to pluck an entire portion of a memory from a guy's head just to help him because Spock does understand it. He does understand those things. He just cannot expose that he does. He just can you know what I mean? And, and so it's that, it's, it's a really poignant moment of his conflict. I think it's really cool, a really touching, cool moment.
0: Well, how, how do you guys uh, feel in, in, in the, Original series, the, the nature of the series, like we were talking about on the Kirk episode, there isn't much room for growth from episode to episode. But once uh, they went into the feature films, there was a, a lot of room for, for growth. And, you know, even the first movie pretty much starts with uh, Spock taking or trying to take a huge step in his uh, personal uh, journey. How, how do you guys feel that the character was was dealt with in in the feature films. Spock is definitely the the
3: focal point of the whole six-episode arc, the six-movie arc, because we've got uh, him going through Kulinar, trying to finally... Uh, he's made the decision that he's going to purge the human side. He's going to keep it down forever. And then by the end, through, through V'ger and, and learning humanity from V'ger... He decides not to do that, and then in the second one, it's about uh, you know past sins or, or mistakes, and uh, and paying for it with his life. And then the third one, he's in the title, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's obviously the focal point. The fourth one, maybe not so much. He does get to mind meld some whales. The fifth one's all about his you know half brother, uh, supposedly, on on a search for God. So it's definitely uh, a Vulcan. Uh, centric thing and then the sixth one it's about moving on it's about it's about everybody suppressing their emotions on things and making peace with the klingons and and spock is a is a big proponent of that and it moves on to him in next generation in unification he's trying to unify the romulans and the the vulcans spock is just always there he's always if he's not in focus he's responsible for whatever the focus is.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And it's uh, it's interesting that in the original series, through the run of the three seasons, we know very little about any of those characters. You don't learn, what do you know about Kirk? You know that he was a, uh, he has a brother. You know that uh, a little bit, a tiny bit about what he was like at the Academy. But really, you don't know anything about these people. Spock is the only one who they kind of made a conscious choice to to explore and to uh, fill out a little more as they go on throughout the series it's kind of interesting that you know they the the tact that they take is his whole life he's been suppressing this side, and at some point he kind of logically comes to the conclusion you know what it's part of me, you know I should embrace it, and he does it in a Nimoy's portrayal, again, he does it in such a kind of natural way where you still get Spock, but he's a little softer around the edges. He's a little more willing to make a joke. He's a little more willing to let the little facets of emotion kind of peek through. And it really rounds him out as a character. I mean, his arc from beginning to end is really fascinating. Well, uh, forgive the pun. Um, (laughs) But really well done.
0: Yeah, I mean, like him in Star Trek Six, you know, his conversations with Valeris and everything were are really, really cool to me. I mean, what's the line? You know, logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. You know, he I don't think he would ever say that in the original series, but, exactly. you know, he has, he you know, grown to this point and he's sort of willing to, you know, like you're saying, embrace, you know, the human side and that makes him a much richer and in a sense, probably more logical character than, you know, the one that was trying to be super logical back in the day.
3: Yeah. I wonder if that was exacerbated by his death, by his resurrection,
0: maybe. Yeah, that's a weird thing, and it bothers the hell out of me, you know, because it it feels like this piece that just doesn't fit. I don't know. Am I wrong? how do you mean? Well, I mean, you you've got a character who's progressing through the the shows, and then the first two movies, and then he dies, and he comes back, and then in the fourth movie, he's sort of retraining himself, and it's almost like uh, he's not quite there. You know, I mean, he's he's not quite there. He's not Spock as we know him, and then all of a sudden, over the course of like Star Trek five and six,
2: he's he kind backs.
0: of. He's back, yeah. He's back to almost like nothing happened, you know? And maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe that is, maybe it is his death, which, or in rebirth, which, you know, got him to the point that he's at in six. But I kind of want to think it's not.
3: Maybe maybe it's something to do with, because he had his memories of, you need to not, you know, do culinary. You need to not suppress the emotions so much, but but learn to find the balance between them. Uh, maybe in in his retraining, he's allowing himself more emotion, and maybe that's what makes him who he is in six.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I think him dying was more a contractual <laughs> what reality rather than a a creative choice. Um, that's not logical. And so, and he, so in Star Trek three, I mean. Star Trek Three is a fun movie. The Spock getting older, and you know, I don't know that the whole Genesis thing seemed a little weird. It didn't quite work for me. But but okay, so he's back, and then they go back, and they put his, you know, I mean, one of the greatest parts of that movie is when when he turns to Kirk and, and recognizes him, you know, where you realize he's he's kind of Spock back on the back on the trail, and um, and then Star Trek Four, it's. Star Trek IV is a capsulated movie in a lot of ways. It's It has wide audience appeal. It's not a Star Trek movie, per se. I mean, there are the trappings of Star Trek, but it's not really a... Well, or, or, or maybe it is in, in the, the purest of ways. You know, it's a crazy story about we, we've got to get the whales, and, and it speaks to, you know, how we treat our world and, you know, all of that. But for the character of Spock, it's, it's fun to see him being goofy and fish out of water, you know, in a traffic jam. You know, I mean it's on the bus <laughs> you know, just like knocking off the crazy punk rocker guy. And so to me that movie's kind of capsulated, I I never really look at it as for some reason as part of his growth, death, regrowth. It's just kind of a weird stutter. <laughs> because by five he's back. You know, he's he's Spock again, that you're used to from Star Trek Two. So it's almost like three and four are just kind of these weird stutter steps in between for that character. And I think it's because he just wanted out of the series and then he wanted back in.
0: So uh, what well, what do you think about the fact that they brought him back? Does that, are you, are you glad? Are you not glad? Do you think it was a, a bad idea or what?
2: I don't know. I, you know, more Spock, better. Wait, when you say bring him back, what do you mean in after Star Trek Two?
0: Correct. Yes.
2: Yeah, um yeah, I I love the character. He he's I don't think you have a full Kirk without a Spock and McCoy.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Kirk is Kirk is my meat and potatoes and Spock is the potatoes and McCoy is the meat. I mean, it's you you don't you don't have a Kirk without those two guys. Yeah.
0: Well, here's something which I I just uh Uh, found out uh, in talking to Mark Cushman about his his books you know these are the voyages I never knew this this blew my mind but apparently there was like a contractual dispute going on between Nimoy and and the studio in between seasons one and two and it came very close to there being no Spock in season two of that series wow Uh, how and and then also I guess one of their thoughts was to bring on David Carradine as a Vulcan, as the replacement Vulcan, which blew my freaking <laughs> mind. But regardless, okay. <laughs> so if, how do you think the show and the franchise on the whole would be different if that had happened, if we only had one season of Spock, would we still be talking about Star Trek today?
2: Well, um I, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh Thing to think about. Look at the Doctor Who franchise. Every few years, they change the main, the title character of that series, and it's kind of thrived and and resurged, and it's super popular right now. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I don't know what you know. The it's the butterfly flapping its wings effect. What would that change? Have how would that have changed everything? I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting story to to kind of ponder. Would you guys be cool with the David Carradine Vulcan on board? By all accounts,
3: I think that they would have just done a find and replace on the scripts they already had written, you know, mm-hmm. change a couple of things there. And now it's Zahn or, or whoever, whatever they would name that character. And I think that we would be, I think we now looking at it would be okay. That first season mm-hmm. we had that Leonard Nimoy guy, but then something happened. And now, now we've got David Carradine and he's in all the movies and,
2: yeah, it's hard to think about it because we know Nimoy so well.
3: Mm-hmm. But I think we're so far removed from the time frame. I think at the time, we all would have been upset if we were as big of fans as we are now. But coming into it, at least for, for Mike and I, uh, coming into it so far removed from it, I think that we would have eventually been okay with it. And I think as long as they had kept the quality of the writing up, that, yeah, there would still be there would still be Star Trek.
0: I mean I could totally see being okay with it but I'm just wondering if like I mean I don't see it as being as big of a deal if let's say you know uh, Star Trek Phase 2 had come about and there was no Spock or they continued the movies without Nemoy after you know Star Trek 2 like I think that it could survive that but the like losing Spock so early on in in that show's development I'm just wondering if it would have still had the impact that it it had that it that it has had i mean we'd have no amok time right
2: i think it would really depend on the performance of the new spock and the writing mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah it's hard to tell what what we would have gotten in its in its place but like you were saying i wonder what it would do to kirk i mean i guess they would have tried to make him the the replacement spock but that relationship would be gone of course they probably would have never mentioned that but i don't know it's weird it may have been.
3: Oh, look! It's my old friend, so and so. We went to the academy together, and they, you mm-hmm. know, have
0: this backstory. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were talking. I just mentioned Muck Time. I, I'd have to say that's my favorite Spock episode. I did, do Do you guys have a favorite? Is there one where where he he really stands out as a as a character? Not just like a single moment, but like an episode on the whole where you're like, if you were to say like. If someone didn't know who Spock was, and you're like, "You want to know Spock? Here's Spock." What what what, what would you show him?
2: Oh, I I think a Muck Time is probably. Yeah. Uh, I would say a, a Muck Time or um, Journey to Babel is probably the the two choices I would give.
3: Yeah, and and I think Journey to Babel is more of a because it's a a sane Spock the whole time. I think it gives more of a a well rounded view of logic, and and how it can affect somebody as opposed to the lack of logic
2: and who he is yeah you know i mean he the, the discussion he has with his mother about growing up and you know uh and and spock's reticence to help his father because he's he's trying to explain to her how can you have lived on vulcan married a vulcan raised a son on vulcan without understanding what it means to be a vulcan you know, i don't want to know what it means if you know and, he, and then he goes into his whole thing it means to adopt a philosophy a way of life i mean he's it tells you everything you need to know about what it is to be Vulcan uh, in a very encapsulated way.
0: Well, he's one of the, the few characters who has kind of outlived both literally and figuratively, I guess the, the original series and has, you know, made his way into other parts of the franchise, you know, and, and in a lot of the ways he's become like the face of the franchise, which is interesting seeing as how, you know, the network didn't even want him there in the first place. Um, but, You know, obviously he was in Next Generation, in in Unification. Um, What do you guys think about that episode and just the idea of of Spock showing up in the 24th century? I I think
3: it's good to have, unlike McCoy and Scotty, who were kind of like shoehorned in there. Like, look, McCoy's really old. Or look, Scotty's, you know, here's a result of a transporter thing. Spock, we've known Vulcans are long-lived. It's almost like they set this up from the very beginning. Uh, that, you know, maybe someday we'll go back and we'll make a sequel show and Spock can be in it. Uh, and and having him still be, you know, not just like, oh, I'm an old guy. He's actually doing things. Like he's been, it's like uh, they imply he's been doing things behind the scenes for the last 80 years. And it, it's neat that he's still active. And it's not just like, there's old Ambassador Spock. Hi, old Ambassador Spock. And they wave as they fly by. Uh, that he's an integral part of the plot even from that point on that you know the unification of vulcan and romulus is something that they talk about all the way to the books now and it, it's all due to this one character that we we already knew and loved and that's convenient
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's a that was my first season working on next gen and as a pa i got to you know bring leonard Nimoy his lunch <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome! <laughs> it was plumek <plumbing> soup. <laughs> did he throw it against the wall? He did. He was angry. <laughs> he was angry at me. I had too much eek and not enough plum.
3: Um,
2: but um, I think you know that uh, I have a different feeling about it being there. Uh, Gene had just passed away, and uh, and so having, for being a fan, having Spock appear on the show was very comforting for some reason. It, it was a very nice feeling to have him around the sets. And and even if, even the, the, you know, a lot of the crew were not Star Trek fans. Uh, I mean, they, in a lot of ways they hired people who weren't Star Trek fans purposely because they would all be like me, uh, <laughs> you know, skulking around and sitting in the captain's chair when no one was looking. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of reverence towards him when he was there, and, and, uh, and just seeing him in makeup and watching him deliver the scenes, I mean, it was really uh, very powerful. It was really cool, and, and, and yeah, it does seem like it was kind of preordained that he would, if there was a new Star Trek series, he would be on it just because of the long-lived Vulcan thing, and it it seems so seamless. It seems so, you know, right that that's, that he would be doing something like that. that he would be working towards something, so that was very, it's very cool.
0: And the way that they were kind of able to tie it into Star Trek Six, which, of course, I'm assuming is why he, he was on there in the first place and everything. That that was really cool, too. It's, um, I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about the that particular episode on the whole. I don't think it, it, it works as well as, as it could. But um, I, I do like what they did for the character there. You know, the way that they sort of, um, again, you know, took him a step further and gave him something different to do like a new a new adventure you know and uh and and that, that's really cool you know and and also i like the idea that they make spock as important to the star trek universe as he is to you know the star trek franchise you know he's important in universe as he is out of universe i think that's that's really interesting mm-hmm. yeah
3: cuz if you there you can argue that Every every ship was having adventures like the Enterprise, and and it's only it's only occasionally do you get you know like oh you know Jim Kirk he was awesome, but to to have Spock, you know, be as important as we imagined that he is, uh, is really good for. Uh, just justifying your love of the original series, I guess.
2: <laughs> and there's a, there's a great there's a great moment in a much time where where. Kirk says to him, "You've been called the best first officer in the fleet," and it's like interesting to think that there are officers in Starfleet way up there going, "Don't you dare let that guy go! <laughs> yeah, don't let the yeah. Vulcan go, dude. That's the that's a good guy to keep on your staff."
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, and then you know I, I do like the fact that they made him you know captain of the Enterprise in in the movies. You know that that's that's a kind of cool. uh, thing too yeah it's something that you forget because you know immediately kirk gets yeah,
3: demoted and takes over the enterprise but he was captain of the enterprise
0: yeah yeah it's cool and then of course you know after next generation he was brought into the uh he, he was the link between the prime universe and the and the new jj verse which i personally you know think is is really cool and uh uh I th- I thought it was very well done. Um, I know that can be debated, but whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, not, not, it a, is, not an argument for here. <laughs> um, if if nothing else, it is kind of comforting to see you know Nimoy back back in place there, and one. Sure. Uh, um, one other thing about that, just kind of going back to uh, how he's grown and, and how he's presented in Star Trek Six, I think you know you kind of see that in in these in these new movies too, and even though there, it's only little glimpses, it is kind of uh you know nice to see a few more uh scenes with fully developed Spock, if you want to call him that, you know that we do see in Star Trek Six. And he is trying to save Romulus. So it's still a sequel to Unification even. Yeah. Yeah. They bring that into and everything. Yeah. I think that's cool.
2: I think that, I think in the, in the new feature films, they've kind of taken a shortcut with the character in that where, while he, while the actor is portraying him as this, you know, kind of cold stoic Vulcan, he's, you know, dipping his feet in the emotion pool quite a bit. So they've kind of taken that struggle out. And, you know, they don't have a week-to-week-to-week-to-week-to-week-to-week chance to let that character grow that way. So, you know, there are obviously choices you have to make thematically in a feature film that you can't do in a a TV series. So they've kind of jacked that forward for him. He's, He's a little closer, I think, to old Spock than he is to young Spock from the series. I think he still kind of walks that line of of being more Vulcan, but he's a lot more willing to accept his human side.
3: Yeah, I look at Quinto Spock as... Uh, like, Nimoy Spock is half Vulcan, half human. and I look at Quinto Spock as half human, half Vulcan. That he's more accepting of his human emotions. Uh, that would be neat if it was very restrained until he meets old Spock. Like it'd be neat if he learned that from, from a Spock who'd already been through all of that. But, but they just choose to to do that right from the beginning, which is, is also okay. It gives us a different view, a, a kind of a what if view of, of the character.
2: They've taken a little more, they've certainly injected a lot more humor into it. And uh, as far as, you know, like I think there's a scene in the, in the first movie where, the Vulcan council is kind of berating him for his deficiency or whatever they call it, where his, you know, his human half is this kind of ugly little mark that he's had to overcome. And I think it's the first time we've ever seen a Vulcan, you know, give the sign and say, live long and prosper, and in parentheses, it means fuck you, old man, <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as he walks out. So that you know, that, that's something I don't think our universe, Spock, would ever do. Where in this universe, he's a lot more, uh, he's uh, prone to be a lot more volatile in a controlled way.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's kind of necessary, you know, when you're making movies and you don't have, like you're saying, a, a weekly show in, in which to develop the character, you need to have that accelerated growth. You know, every every step needs to be a big one. And, you know, I know a lot of people have problems with that. I personally don't have any problem with that. But Whatever.
2: <laughs> well, I, th- I just think if you look at them as two they are two separate We're, you know it's like the mirror universe
0: mm-hmm. yeah no it, it really is like another yeah, yeah
2: like the mirror Yeah. Universe. you accept the rules of that universe because that's the way that universe is portrayed for you. You, you you just have to either accept it the same way or not it's up to you but you know that's the way to do it and there's a lot of uh, hatred there's a lot of negativity towards what those guys are doing because they've they've obviously decided to to make it a much more uh, kind of action packed epic scope kind of thing and that's how they want to do star trek so it's 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 not like there's not room for other interpretations but no whether you whether you like them as feature films is another thing you know mm-hmm. whether you you agree whether or not you think they're good movies is another thing entirely but but the creating of the different universe I and mean, that's just the that's just the tack they took and that's it's it's just like you know remastered versus original series. They're both there. Mm-hmm. You you, you so, go back so. and forth as you choose. So there's no reason to hate on it. You know, simply because they've done that.
0: Right. Don't need to hate on its existence just
3: because
2: mm-hmm. it's there.
0: Yeah. Right. I I have to say
3: that old Spock to me is a the weak point, especially of the second movie. I mean, I know it was a surprise cameo, and but I was. Uh, thankfully, hadn't heard of it, heard that it was happening, so I'm watching the movie like, he's calling new Vulcan. What's he doing that for? No, please no. No, don't do this. Because I made this exact joke before before the movie came out. Like, what if they put new Spock in? It's like, what are they going to do? Call him up and say, hey, have you heard of a guy named Khan? And, and Spock be like, yeah, yeah, I totally heard of a guy named Khan. He's totally evil. And that's exactly what happened. I, I took my hat off, and <laughs> threw it to the ground. I literally threw my hat on the ground. Like you did it. I can't believe you did it.
2: Have you ever seen honest trailers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in the into darkness one, they, they, uh, you know, they do this thing where <laughs> they show the Quinto Spock holding a checklist and written on it is, you know, the Gorn, uh, Gary Mitchell, you know, all all these different things, and he's got check marks next to him, and then they cut to the screen and it's old Spock and Old Spock says, and did I tell you about the Gorn? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I got that. that."
3: (laughs) Go over here and do this, because you know the I mean they could really him being like, the doomsday machine's gonna come no matter what. And the fact that he's not like you know, I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but you may wanna stop this before it destroys an entire solar system.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: yeah, no, see see I have no problem with this really because uh, because of the way it was handled. I can see, you know, what you're saying, but like it was, it was kind of a Star Trek six Spock moment where he's like, look, I made this vow. I'm not going to tell you anything. I told you, you can't do that. You can't have a checklist and just ask me every time because that's cheating and that's just wrong and your life will not be fulfilling if you do that. But in this case, okay, cause, because, you know, this is the dude who killed me, <laughs> I'm going to make an exception, I'm going to use, you know, logic here. You know, unlike unlike me with my uh, with my Batman rules for watching, you know, various versions of, of of movies. Spock, he's more evolved than that, and he can say like, "I know I made this rule, but I'm going to break it this one time because it's really freaking important." And I know some people have big problems with that. I have no problem with that. In fact, I like that moment a lot. That's one of my favorite moments when, in the movie. When he's like, "That being said," I'm like, "Yeah, you go, Spock." You know, see, I, I didn't like just me. it could that's be. Just me.
3: It could be easily removed. Like, and it's it obvious be, that they wrote like it. Like they they wrote it just in case the the Nimoy couldn't do it, but it doesn't change the plot any. That knowledge doesn't doesn't change anything that Spock was already going to do. He already didn't trust Khan, and him, yeah. What what
2: did he? How did it change anything?
3: That's the one well, thing we I don't, don't know understand. What,
2: is we don't know what he, he told him though. Yeah, after the screen cut away. No, no, right. You you never know what Spock told him. But the ultimate thing was, I'm going to have to beam down and beat this guy in... <laughs> beat this guy in a moving car and i'm sure that's not what spock told him
3: spock's spock's (laughs) the way that spock defeated khan originally was one sacrifice self-sacrifice but but he also was like Khan doesn't think third dimensionally which no isn't doesn't really enter into
0: any of how he's
1: defeated
2: exactly yeah
0: I, I think I, I I honestly like when he says, like, how would you beat him or, or how was how he dangerous or whatever? I don't think that he told him everything, anything. I think he just told him, like, you got to watch out for this guy and you've got to be thinking on your toes, you know, or whatever. I think does that even make sense? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you've got to, you know, really step up your game here. And I, I think that. I mean, yeah, you could take it out and it would still be fine, but I love the fact that it's in there. And for me, I think that it's like sort of a turning point for new Spock where he's like, okay, you know, this just got real and now I'm going to have to be super cunning. And what he does, it's not him now just beaming down to beat up people. It's him, you know, thinking about the whole thing with the torpedoes and all that stuff. Whatever. I'm never going to win this argument ever with anyone I ever have it with, but that's just my personal feeling, you know. Don't, don't stop listening to the show because of it. Um, well, Dave, any final thoughts on Spock?
2: Uh, as I said, I think that he is uh, one of the greatest characters ever created. I, I think Nimoy's portrayal of him gives us a very powerful yet subtle you know, journey that this character is on. And it I, it's, he's just a, I keep, I, the word fascinating keeps jumping into my head and I'm trying not to say it. But uh, I, I think he's just, a, uh, I think Nimoy's portrayal of that character, and, the, and I, I'm going to stick to the original series right now because this, I think that's the real strength of, of his performances is I think it's just uh, amazing. Just a really, I think it's a, a re- If you are not a Star Trek fan, you're not listening to this podcast. But if you are not a Star Trek fan and you are listening <laughs> to this podcast, go watch Journey to Babel. Go watch Amok Time. Go watch, I mean, seek these episodes out because they're really, really uh, enjoyable to watch. His performances are just incredible.
3: Drew,
0: any final thoughts?
3: Yeah, I, I love Spock and, uh, yeah, Nimoy's portrayal of him is, he he seems to be one of the few people who has a grasp of a particular character right from the very beginning. And he took it seriously, and and that says a lot about, like, you know, when you're given these scripts, I imagine sometimes they were like, really? But but Nimoy always found a way to, to play it straight and to play it cool. And, uh, yeah, Spock is great.
0: Yeah. I mean, Spock has never been my favorite character, and you know, whenever there is like, uh, with the exception of probably a Muck time, anytime that there's sort of like a Spock-centric episode, I kind of think like uh, I don't know, and not not that it's ever bad or anything like that, but just that you know, there's so much like mythology there that I know that there's going to be a lot of you know exposition and stuff like that, but you know, when I think about the character character from a uh, more distance perspective, I'm like he is kind of like the guy that I try to base my decisions on in life. Like there have been so many times where, you know, I have been at a crossroads and I'd be like, you know, what would Spock do here? You know, he's the logical one, you know, I, I should really do whatever it is he, he would do. I mean, I can't, I've got a line of Spock dialogue engraved in my wedding ring. Okay. So yeah, it's not like I'm not a fan of the character. What, what do you have? What is it? it? It's uh it says I have been and always shall be your friend.
2: Very nice. Oh,
0: Yes, it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, I can't, I, I mean, he is, he is one of the best characters in television history. He's just, it's just weird because he's not the best one on that show. You know, it's a great show.
2: It's interesting how his, uh, his fan following, the fan following for Spock, uh, is, you know, there are a lot of women who love Spock. My wife my is wife. one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, my wife yeah. too.
2: <laughs> my wife calls. She calls. She says, uh, "You know, I'm his girlfriend. He he just hasn't come out and said it. You know. I mean, it's a, there's an interesting uh, people uh, and and it crosses lines because he's also. A, a cool male character for guys to follow, you know, where I'm, I'm more of a Kirk guy and Kirk, I think his following is mostly men. I mean, he's a testosterone driven decision maker, cowboy, you know? Um, but Spock is interesting because he's, it's that smoldering emotion underneath that uh, captures the lady's fancy. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true.
3: So Dave, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, I am a
2: uh, Twitter person, and you can find me at It Means Hope. Uh, but it's really Lieutenant Means Hope because the I in It is actually a small L. The L <laughs> stands for logic, right? <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for for uh, talking Spock with us. Uh, it was great. Maybe we'll have you back on sometime for something else.
2: I'd love to, guys. The original series is really, uh, I, I, I love it. I talk about it at any chance I get. So anytime you'd uh, have me back, I'd love to be here.
3: Well, it was fun talking about Spock with Dave Rossi today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit.
1: Gene Gene Roddenberry
3: i appreciate gene roddenberry as a creator because he had a vision and he stuck to it unlike other creators of other franchises that we won't get into who are you talking about drew not not george lucas earl gray
1: romance on tng i got the four pips i'm i'm ready to settle down now it wasn't until then that I could get, get stay with one woman. So instead of rings, do they use that last
2: pip on his collar as <laughs> the, the signal of their eternal love and devotion together? The Orb. Bajoran Prophecies. <laughs> well, you um, know,
1: I was thinking that Haran was probably not so much a prophet as a Bajoran songwriter who just wrote really bad lyrics.
2: The Ready Room. Basis.
1: What you brought up is the exact reason why I like this episode so much because the essential message is we have to have our good and our not-so-hot qualities to make us who we are. We have to deal with them. And this is just a very extreme version of that. To the journey!
2: Workforce Work rewrite. We
1: and I'm totally with you about Jaffin. He is like Mark version 2.0. He's uh. just, like, he's a little too laid back. He's a little too quick to buy into all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, dude, grow a pair. I like the way you put that. Commentary, Trek Stars. Black and Cushman, part two. So they were
2: trying to find a replacement, not to play Spock, but to play another Vulcan who would be assigned to the Enterprise. Whoa, and one wow. of the one of the guys they were considering was David Carradine, who went on what? to play. <laughs> Warp five
1: continuity and consequences it was a place that you generally don't expect Star Trek to go with a major character for sure and certainly not for the the period of time mm. that it went on because you know it starts in fusion she becomes infected with this Pinar Syndrome and then that even leads her to drug addiction Trek news and views looking back, back at TNB Oh, okay. We're still talking TMP. I was thinking Janeway's pink ninety. I oh, know. It's
2: like what? <laughs> oh, Janeway's pink ninety. cute. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to like it.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, done before. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was a nice
1: like Literary treks. It has two sides to it. You know, you can read it as just the fun yacht race, which I thought the Federation has a biannual sailing competition. I did not know this. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
3: Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directory to get all the links. So let's tell everyone where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts in today's show. Just go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both me and Mike by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. So Mike, where can people find you outside of orbit here?
0: Well, you can find me still on Trek.fm doing commentary Trek Stars with Max. And you can also find me on my website, commentarytrackstars.com, doing commentary track stars off-topic with Max and our friend Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at comtrackstars.
3: All right. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and in various other shows around the network. Well, we got a a message from someone using the, the Contact Us interface tool. And it's from Daniel Hadlin from California. And he says, Hey, guys, I love this show. I've been waiting so long for a TOS podcast to come to Trek FM, and now that it's finally here, I'm really happy with the quality of the first episode. I really enjoy the show and look forward to hearing much more of it. Well, thanks for for contacting
0: us, Daniel. Uh, We appreciate all the feedback. Yeah, and hopefully episodes two through six have lived up to expectations. If not, sorry.
3: Yes. <laughs> we could use some more more feedback, so please uh leave us reviews, message us any any way that you want to contact us, please do so. And and maybe we'll read it on the air.
0: So Drew, have you ever read I Am Spock? I actually have not read I Am Spock. I haven't read it either, but uh, you know, one year for Christmas, my wife, who we talked about on this episode as being a huge uh, Spock fan and Leonard Nimoy fan, she was like, The only thing I want for Christmas is I am Spock. And I'm like, Okay, that's going to be difficult to track down. Had I known that it was on audible.com, I would have just sent her there or, or gotten a, a, the thing down, downloaded it, put it on her iPad or iPod or whatever. And then, you know, Christmas morning, she would have just, you know, turned on the iPad and it's like, Boom, I am Spock. And. If I would have signed up using the offer code from Trek FM, it wouldn't have cost me anything. It would have been like a free Christmas present. Which is the best kind? Audible is the sponsor of Standard Orbit, and it's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles are coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read, like I Am Spock, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek Fm. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure once again. Uh, thanks for being
3: being the co-pilot of of this, this fabulous Standard Orbit show. Yeah, well, well thanks for, for, for having me once again.
0: I appreciate it.
3: And thank all of you for listening every week. So, have a good rest of the week, and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landru.
2: Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one.
1: I yes, sir.